0: Alright, well go ahead and take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 21. I hope you're excited about heaven and looking forward to that day. What a day that's going to be. Matthew chapter 21. Today is Palm Sunday. This is the day of uh, when we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. And we're going to read that story to you right now. And I I want to show you some things that I hope will be a help to you today. Matthew chapter twenty one verse one says, and when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, they sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken. By the prophet saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold thy king cometh unto thee meek and sitting upon an ass and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. So that verse is in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. It's the verse that's on the front of your bulletins today. But that was a prophecy made way back then. Jesus Christ fulfilled that prophecy. And I just think it's a neat story. Can you imagine if somebody just came up to you and said, Hey, I'd like, I'm going to borrow your car. And you're like, uh, what are you doing? And like, the Lord has need of him. And uh, that's exactly what Jesus told them to do. And you know what? It worked. And so, I don't know who these guys were that owned these animals, but it shows they had some faith there. And I think when Jesus got done, the animals probably went right back home. And uh, imagine owning the donkey that Jesus rode on. I don't know. I think I think that would be pretty good. But anyway, uh, in verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And he brought the ass and the colt and put them, uh, put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments on the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house should be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple saying Hosanna to the Son of David, they were sore displeased, and said unto him, Here is thou what these say. And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, Thou hast perfected praise. That's found in Psalms chapter eight, and it says in verse seventeen. And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. So right here we see a story of Jesus' triumphal entry. A major prophecy is being fulfilled this day. But I want you to notice what the people were saying as He comes in. They're crying out, Hosanna to the Son of David. That word, Hosanna, that's not a word that we use a whole lot today. But you know, that term, Hosanna, it was a word of praise. Kind of like the word, Hallelujah. Okay, We all are familiar with the term, Hallelujah, which simply just means Praise the Lord is what we're saying when we say hallelujah. And that term hosanna that they are using there, it was another uh, word of praise, but it basically means save us. Save, I pray thee, preserve. It was a Hebrew word. You know, or oh, save is basically what they're saying when Jesus came through that day. In Psalms chapter 118, verse 25, it says, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Right there is, they're pretty much quoting one of the Psalms in Psalms chapter 118. And when it says there, save now, basically, Hosanna, save us, save now, it's kind of the same thing. They're singing, they're kind of singing a praise to him. But at the same time, while they're praising him, They're crying out to him, saying, Save us is pretty much what is going on right there. And of course these Pharisees, they were bothered by this. I think they understood the significance of Jesus' entry that he made. I think they understood the significance of them crying out Hosanna to him. I mean just I mean imagine how we would feel if we saw someone saying Hallelujah to a person, you know, praising someone, adoring them. Okay, and that kind of thing does happen sometimes. You know, we saw that last year when the Pope came to town. Uh, but at the same time, uh, with Jesus Christ, it was appropriate because He was God. He was the Messiah. They had every reason to praise Him like they did. But you know, the interesting thing about the story, I mean, there's a multitude coming, and people see this, and they're wondering, you know, who is this that's coming? And they're like, "Hey, this is Jesus, the Prophet of Nazareth." And when these people are crying out "Hosanna," they're basically believing at this moment that He is the Messiah that is coming. He's the one they've been looking for. They are basically announcing Him as the Messiah, and He was the Messiah, wasn't He? He was the Messiah. He was come to save them, wasn't He? That is exactly what He was doing. Yet, in the when we continue reading through the Gospels, we see that it's only a few days later that Jesus Christ is on trial... And the multitudes that I think it's safe to assume some of the same people crying, Hosanna in this story, are later crying out, Crucify Him. Now, how can that happen? How can the people go from being so excited, crying out, Hosanna one day, which was accurate? It was completely appropriate for them to be crying out to Jesus Christ as He's coming through, Save us. That was absolutely appropriate. He was the Messiah. That was exactly, they were exactly right that day, yet something completely changed in a few days where they're wanting him to be crucified. And I believe the same, the, the same thing that we see happening here, I believe happens to people over and over again today. It happens to many Christian people today. That there are many people who they have, they've called upon the Lord for salvation. They've called on Him. They've asked Jesus Christ to save them. But, you know, unfortunately, what they were asking for, okay, while technically, I mean, if you, uh, we've got tracks out there on our track rack. And on those tracks, they have a sinner's prayer in there. And I believe that sinner's prayer that's in there is a good one. And I believe if somebody says it and they mean it from the heart, I believe they'll be saved. I believe that. Uh, the words that are in that prayer are technically accurate. But you know, you can say that to you're blue in the face. But if you don't believe it in your heart, you're not really going to be saved. And you know, there are many people today that they have made prayers. They have cried out, Save us. They've cried out, Hosanna. But that what they were wanting to be saved from is not what Jesus came to save them from. And I believe that one of the reasons this multitude was so excited and when they saw Jesus come riding through there and they're crying out, Hosanna, it was because they were looking for salvation from the Romans. Think about it. They were under Roman captivity at that time. And here He comes. Here comes the Messiah and they're crying out, Hosanna, save us. Not save us from our sins, which is why Jesus came to earth, but save us from the Romans. Save us from Herod. Save us from these people we don't like. Save us from these Gentiles that are all around. You know, save us from the Samaritans that live in some of the surrounding villages. You know, Lord, come back and wipe out all of our enemies. We want the Messiah to come so He can take over the world and He can establish the kingdom here in Israel and we can be a part of that kingdom and we don't have to look at all these other people anymore that we don't like. That's what they were really saying. That's what they're thinking in their mind. They thought Jesus was going to set up his kingdom right then and there. Look at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 and verse 9. I think this is proof as to what they were thinking when Jesus came through. It says in Mark chapter 11 verse 9, And they went before, and they that followed cried saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord hosanna in the highest notice that blessed be the kingdom of our father David okay now who was king at that time okay herod was king at that time right herod was not in the line of David herod was not somebody who should have been king herod was a very wicked king however the only reason he was king is because they were he was the one that the romans put there and the truth is, Herod wasn't even really in control. The Romans were in control during that time. And so they're seeing Jesus Christ, who they know is the son of David. They know the line that he's from. And the book of Matthew, it gives us the lineage of Christ. And his stepfather, Joseph, he was in that line that came from David. He was in that kingly line. And so I think they're thinking hey, this guy that's been doing all the miracles that we've been hearing about, this man that's been raising people from the dead, he's got to be the Messiah thinking he's the one that's going to come and it's going to defeat the Romans. He's the one that's going to overthrow Herod. He's going to be the one that's going to come and be king, and we're not going to have to put up with these people anymore. And so they're saying, you know, Hosanna to the son of David. See, because they thought the line of David was about to be reinstituted. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, it says, "...now the days of David drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong therefore, and show thyself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in His ways, to keep His statutes and His commandments and His judgments and His testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself." that the Lord may continue His word which He spoke concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way to walk before Me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. God promised David that if His children and His descendants would follow His ways, there would always be one of His on the throne. However, you read the book of Kings and Chronicles and you'll see that they did not walk in the ways of God, they did not even walk in the ways of David, and as a result of it, they ended up losing the kingdom. We see the same thing repeated. Solomon prayed it in First Kings chapter eight, verse twenty-five. He referred to God's promise to David, but at the same time, we don't have time to look at all the scriptures. In the many of your major and minor prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all those books, there are many references to David one day being king. God promised that one day David was going to be the king of Israel again, but David's gone. And so you know maybe they're thinking, okay, it's the line of David because obviously David's gone. So they're thinking this is major prophecy about to be fulfilled. And Jesus Christ is that fulfillment of David being king. But actually that wasn't right because we see later, David is going to be king in Israel one of these days, isn't he? That's going to be in the millennial kingdom. Why? Because there's going to be a resurrection one of these days, and David is going to rise from the dead, and he is going to be king in Israel. That and that's that's some end time stuff. But they're thinking this is what maybe they're thinking this is what's going to happen. The line of David is about to be reinstituted. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the son of David. They thought that they were going to get the king that they wanted back. That was basically going to give them the things that they wanted. And you know, many times. There are things that we say that technically are right, but we don't fully understand what we're saying. See, when they're saying that about David, the son of David, they were right in what they were saying. But they were they're thinking something completely different. Because a lot of the things that they would say and praise, a lot of the prophecies, they were just quoting Scripture. And so if you're quoting Scripture, you're technically right, aren't you? But a lot of times, even when we quote Scripture... What we are thinking that means is not right. And they thought Jesus was about to become their king right there on earth. He was going to overthrow the bad guys, going to get rid of all the bad people, but that wasn't what he was there for, was it? He was there to save them from their sins. And you know what? Many people today, that's what you know, whenever they say, you know, Lord, save us, Lord help us. You know, we're always saying, "You know, Lord, you know, save us from our government." You know, Lord, save me from the IRS. You know, Lord, save me from the Democrats and Republicans. You know, that's what we're saying all the time. You know, Lord, you know, protect us from ISIS and Putin and Kim Jong Un and all these bad guys that are out there. You know, Lord, please, we say that when it comes to His return. Okay, we're all looking forward to the return of Christ. But many times, when people are looking forward to the return of Christ, it's not because they want to be delivered from this vile body and to and have a body like His glorious body, they just want to get away from their enemies. You know, Lord, please, I need You to hurry up and return, or I'm going to kill my co-workers. You know, Lord, I need the rapture to come, or I'm going to strangle my wife and kids. I mean, you know, Lord, deliver me from all the problems that are here on earth, that are in my life, because of sin. But understand, that was not why Jesus had come then. The reason He came at that time was not to set up an earthly kingdom. He came to take care of the real problem, and that was the sin of man. They needed to be saved from their sins. And so when they're saying, save us, Hosanna, yes, He's there to save them, but not from what they were thinking. He was there to save them from themselves, from the sin that was in their life, and they didn't like it when they realized He's not going to set up a kingdom, is He? He's not going to overthrow Herod, is He? He's not going to destroy the Romans, is He? And they were disappointed. They were upset. And I believe that's one of the reasons they were spitting on Him. People, as they would pass by when He's there hanging on that cross, dying for their sins, they're railing on Him. They're blaspheming Him. They're spitting on Him. Why? Because they were mad. We thought you were going to fix all of our problems. We thought you were going to get rid of all oh, the Romans. Boy, well, we do that with politicians today, don't we? You know, they go and they make all these promises during their campaigns, and you know they never deliver, and then everybody gets mad at them, don't they? Well, understand, you know, Jesus, the things that these people were expecting from him, he never said he was going to do that, then, did he? He never said it, but they all thought that they all expected that, and so. They turned when they found out they weren't getting what they wanted. They weren't look. They were looking for salvation, you know, from the Romans. They were looking salvation for salvation from a hard life. You know, many people they want Jesus Christ to return so we can have paradise. You know, they're tired of the sickness and the pain, and that's fine. I understand that. You know, it was a hard life back then. They would have famines that would go through the land, and many people would die because of the famines and the droughts and the lack of food. Uh, Many times sicknesses would come through there and wipe many people out, and you know that's hard. You know that that would be horrible to go through things like that. You know, thank God we live in America and we you know we have a good land that there's a lot of food. You know, if we've got any problem in America, we got too much food, don't we? I mean, we God has blessed us so much. you know, We have medicine to take care of a lot of the sickness. If anything, we've got too much medicine. We make ourselves even more sick from all the medicine that we're taking. I mean, we are so abundantly blessed here. But yet, even in America, we've still got problems. We still have sickness. We still have disease that people have that people go through. And we don't like those things. And many people, when they call on the Lord for salvation, you know, they'll come to church and they'll pray and they'll ask Jesus Christ to save them, but they're not thinking I want Him to save me from my sins, they're thinking, I want a better life. I want Him to save me because I've got a lot of problems right now. i got bill collectors calling me. I've got this. I've got this pain in my back. I've got this problem. I've got that problem. And I want the Lord to fix all my problems. I'm having family issues, family troubles, and I want Him to get rid of all these problems for me. They're basically getting saved because they want to have paradise right here on this earth. But you know what? I hate to tell you this, but even if you get saved, it's still not going to be paradise on this earth. Did you know saved people get sick too? Saved people have diseases. Saved people have—they go through hard times. Saved people lose their jobs, get laid off. I mean, Saved people get cancer just like lost people. All the bad things that happen, they happen to us too. And did you know that even saved people still sin sometimes? And as a result of their sin, they suffer consequences for those sins. And the truth is, many people today, they'll come and they'll say a prayer. They'll do like the people. They'll say, you know, Hosanna. Or they'll say, you know, Lord, save me. But they're not thinking I want to be saved from my sins because I believe that Jesus died and paid for those. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. They're saying, I just want a better life. I don't like the problems that I'm having on this world. But you know what? You're still going to have problems even after you're saved. It's just the way it is. And many people, they end up, they'll get out of church not long after that. Man, I got saved, I got baptized, I did everything the church said to do, and I still have problems. You know what? You're just like those people back then. Maybe when you said, Lord, save me, you weren't saying, Lord, save me from my sins. You're saying, Lord, save me from all my problems. But that's not the way it works. That's not why Jesus came that time. Maybe they were looking for earthly prosperity. It's very clear in the Old Testament that when the Messiah does come and set up His kingdom on this earth, that there is going to be paradise. We see the lion's going to lie down with the lamb. We see you know, a child will be able to play on the den of a serpent. And you won't have to worry about those things. We see wonderful things that are to come, but understand that Jesus had to die and pay for sins first before that could ever happen. There were many things that had to be done first and many people are hoping if they get saved, he's going to make everything good. You know, maybe if I get saved, I can win the lottery. You know, maybe if I get saved, I'll get the I'll get the raise. Once again, they're they're not looking for salvation from their sins. They're looking for prosperity. Maybe they were thinking, you know, hey, we've been going through famines here. It's been hard. If you know, with with the Messiah now coming, you know, our crops will flourish. You know, everything will be. Beautiful, everything will be wonderful again. You know, we can have paradise, and many Christians are looking for the return of Christ simply because they don't want to have to pay their bills. You know what's making people want Jesus to come? It's not the fact that they messed up again. It's not the fact that they have sin in their life and that they're convicted of it. They don't want to pay their bills. I mean, how many? I've been asked before. I've said that before. You know, you look at some of the bills you got coming. It's like you know. Well, wouldn't it be nice if the rapture just came right now? And I didn't, I didn't have to worry about this. And that's most people's attitude. But here's the thing, you know, just because you got saved, it doesn't mean your bills are going to get paid. And you know, many people too, they're holding on to this hope that you know maybe the rapture will come today. And it's not because they're excited about seeing Jesus; it's because it will get me out of all my problems. Yet it's very clear in the scriptures. That it's actually going to get a lot worse before it gets a lot better. And I hate to be the one to tell you that, but it's just, it's in the scriptures, so I have to tell you that. You know, they're not, people aren't concerned about being found faithful when the Lord returns. That's not what they're, that's, they're not ready for, you know, wanting Christ to come because they know they're faithful. They know they're doing what God wants them to do right now. They just want them to get them out of their trouble. They forget. That when Jesus Christ returns, he's bringing his rewards with him. We see that in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12. It says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Now, listen, I hope you'll get this. A lot of people think when it comes to rewards, you know, everything's supposed to be equal, everything's supposed to be even. Okay? I'm sorry. You've been listening to Bernie Sanders way too much. right? Everything is not equal and even. Everybody doesn't get the same thing. God doesn't even do things that way. Listen. If God didn't re- think about this, if God didn't reward us for our works, then salvation wouldn't really be a free gift. Because think about this. If I gave you a free gift and then commanded you to serve me for the rest of your life, was that really a free gift? You know, here I'm giving you this gift. It's free. But then it comes with all these things that you have to do. And it's very clear in the Bible that salvation is a free gift, right? Well, then, if now we are commanded to work for God for all of our lives and to serve Him because He saved us, then was it really free? No, it wasn't. He has to reward us for our works. Look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 4. Turn over there real quick. Romans chapter 4. And verse 4. A lot of times people have this idea, you know, it's all supposed to be even and equal on judgment day. We're all going to get the same thing. No, we're not. And there's many scriptures we can look at. But Romans chapter 4, verse 4 says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Notice that to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace. Salvation is by grace, right? Unmerited favor. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. But when you work, okay, there's debt for that. If somebody works for you, you owe them something, right? You pay them. And we can all try to act real spiritual and say, well, God doesn't owe us anything because He saved us. But then, was it really free? No, salvation, it's by grace. There is no work that goes with that, but yet God has commanded us to work for Him. And you know what? When we work for Him, He's going to reward us. We see that very clearly in the Scriptures. And so, guess when our time is to work on those rewards? Well, it's right now, isn't it? I mean, right now, this is our chance to do something for Christ. I mean, right now, when things are difficult, that's your chance to... To show your faithfulness. That's your chance to earn your rewards. When you are suffering persecution, the Bible says, Great is your reward in heaven. Really, if we have the right mindset, the worse things get, what, the better chance we better opportunity we have to earn some rewards. To do something for Christ. We shouldn't be at a time like this saying, Lord, return just to get me out of this mess. We ought to be taking advantage of this time and saying, Lord, I want to do something for you. Lord, right now, I want to see as many people saved as I can. We ought to have this, our attitude... Okay, I, said, I think it's totally fine to look forward to the coming of Christ. I look forward to the coming of Christ, but at the same time, we, the fact that Jesus Christ's return is drawing nigh should cause us to be working harder. Trying to do more, trying to get more things done because we want Him to find us faithful. We want to be able to receive some rewards on that day, but most people, as things get more and more difficult, they just want Him to come to get them out of their mess. And this is a great opportunity, folks. As the world gets more wicked, this is a greater opportunity. As, dark, as this world becomes more dark, this is a greater opportunity for us to shine as a light. I am thrilled to have been had the privilege of starting a church like ours in a day when churches like ours are dwindling while they're closing down. I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing that. I'm glad to be starting a church and a, and a pastor of a church like this one In a day when this type of church is not popular, when everybody's going with all the trendy stuff and the rock and roll churches and all the liberalism and everything, I am thrilled in a day when everybody else is doing that to be doing what God said. This is our chance to show, prove prove who we are. This is our chance to earn some rewards as the world gets worse and worse. We should, we ought to look at this as a privilege, but many people, though, when it comes to the return of Christ, they're saying, "Save us or return, O Lord, to get me out of this mess." But the truth is, when He comes, we're supposed. To... He wants to find us faithful. He wants to find us busy. He wants to find us working. And this is our chance. Okay, and I do. I mean, I'm anxious for the Lord to return, but I do want to accomplish some things before He comes. And so, uh, you know, I don't think we ought to have this attitude of, you know, Lord, just get me out. So I don't have these problems anymore, but we ought to just be, as we see things get worse, it ought to just cause us to be more and more urgent. I got to get something done. I got to do something for Christ. I got to get going. I got to get moving because His return is drawing nigh, and I want to have some rewards when He gets here. You know, once Judas figured out that Jesus' kingdom was not of this world, what did He do? He took 30 pieces of silver and ran with it. Think about it. He was the one who held the bag. He was the treasurer. Think about it. In His mind, He's thinking, Jesus is going to set his kingdom up in this world. Well, I'm his treasurer. Well, right now, you know, there's only 12 of us. We don't have a lot of money. There's no indication that Jesus ever had much money at that time, but Judas held what they had. I mean, even when it came time for Jesus to pay taxes, you know, Peter had to go catch a fish and get the money out of the fish's mouth. He never had a lot of money. But Judas is thinking, hey, you know, it's building here. Pretty soon this following is going to get going and people are going to start giving their money and I'm going to be the treasurer in the kingdom of heaven. And then you know what? Right before Jesus dies, you know, he says things like, you know, if my kingdom were of this world, then when my servants fight, he's like, it's not of this world. I'm not getting any money out of this thing. And so what do He do? He went and betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And that's where many people are. They will come into church. They will say the prayers. They will say, you know, they'll, you know, say, Lord, save me. Meaning, save me from all my problems, not save me from my sins. And then they do. They figure out, you know what? This world still stinks. I still have problems. You know what? I'm out. I'm done. And that's kind of what Judas did. But what Jesus didn't. He's not here. He didn't come then to set a kingdom up, He came to save us from our sins. That was why. Little did they know. When they were crying, Hosanna said, He was about to do that. Okay? That's what He was about to do. But the last thing these people were looking for was salvation from their sins. Look at Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16. So they didn't, they didn't even know what they were looking for. Matthew 19 verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Okay? And you all know the story. Jesus said, hey, keep the commandments. And He's like, "Now nah, I've kept them all. From my youth up. But Jesus said, you know, you're lacking one thing. Go sell all you have and give it to the poor. He said, I'm not going to do that. See, Jesus wasn't saying here in this story that you have to give everything you have to get saved. He was trying to show this man, you know what? Yeah, you've kept all those commandments technically, but you're still a sinner. Because you know what? The first commandment... Is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we see this man loved his treasure more than he loved God. See, Jesus was trying to point out his sin, wasn't he? Jesus was trying to show him that he was a sinner. And you know what Jesus did after he came through there? He didn't go walking up there on the steps and get in front of the temple and declare Himself to be the Messiah and declare Himself to be King and to say, you know, I overthrow Rome. I'm removing Herod from King. I am now your King. He didn't do that. You know what He did? He went to the temple and He starts driving people out. He's overturning tables. He starts telling them they've made His house into a den of thieves. He's cleansing the temple. You know what He's trying to do? He's trying to remove sin. But that's the last thing people want. Everybody wants a better life. Everybody wants prosperity. Everybody wants paradise. But nobody wants to get rid of their sin, do they? Nobody wants to confess their sin. Nobody wants to forsake their sin. These people, they didn't think they needed saved from their sins because we're the children of Abraham. That's what they said in Matthew chapter 3. When John the Baptist was preaching to them, he's telling them to repent. And he said, Say not ye among yourselves, we be Abraham's seed. God's able of these stones... To raise up children unto Abraham. These people, they thought because they were the Jews, because they were the chosen ones, that they didn't need saved. But you know what? They were sinners just like the Gentiles. And they needed saved too. And Jesus came to this earth to save them. And not just to save them, but to save the whole world. Not just the Jews. But the Gentiles too. And thank God for that. That was why He came. But that was not... What they expected. They had no idea when they were crying out, Hosanna, saying, Save us, that that is exactly what He was about to do. But He wasn't about to save them from the Romans, famines, poverty, sickness, all that. He was coming to save them from their sin. And we need to understand that that is why Jesus came. And that's the message that we're supposed to be trying to get out. You need saved not from the bill collectors, not from the government. You need saved from your sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You are a sinner. You've sinned against God. Our sin has separated us from God. And we need salvation. You need to confess your sin to God. You need to call on the Lord for salvation. You need to believe in your heart. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's the message we're trying to send. And thank God, if you follow the commandments of God, you do the things of God, you can have a better life, but not a problem-free life. We see, and I'm not going to take time to go through all the Scriptures, but you know what, Christians? We own tribulation. If you go and you read through it, go look up tribulation in your Bible. All the times tribulation is mentioned and almost every time it's talking about Christians... You know, and Jesus said, In me ye have peace, in the world ye shall have tribulation. Jesus said or Paul said, Yea, and all the live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The Bible says we've been called to suffering. I mean there we own suffering and tribulation as believers. And yet many people they come to church hoping to be saved from tribulation, hoping to be saved from suffering. But folks, we've been called to that. That is why we are here. And we are to shine His lights. And so you know what? If you've been going to church and you got saved a long time ago and you still have problems, I just want to say welcome to the club. And you know what? It's only going to get worse before Jesus Christ returns. And so you know what? Take advantage of that time and just be faithful and you're going to rack up some rewards. Okay? If you're saved today, you got saved by grace. You didn't do any work for that. But now, any work that you do... Is going to earn you rewards in heaven. So you know what? Let's get busy and do something for Christ. Let's do it in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation. Let's do it during these dark times that we live in. We, I mean, think about this. If this is, if we are the last generation before Christ returns, we are living in the greatest generation to be a servant for God. I mean, we are living in the time, in the darkest time that there, there will ever be. This is our chance to shine as a light. I mean, what an opportunity that is. We should feel privileged to be living during this time. Not running from it. Not trying to figure out how to get out of it. Not compromising with the world. Not joining up with them. No, let's take advantage of this time. Let's go win someone to Christ. Let's do it now when it's hard. Let's do it when there's persecution. Let's do it when things are dark. Let's not make the same mistake that they made. I'm looking forward to the coming of Christ, but there is no guarantee that he's going to there's nothing in the Bible that says he can come today. People try to say that all the time, but that's that's not true. There's plenty of things the Bible says has to happen first. There's plenty of evidence that it's going to get a whole lot worse before it gets better. But you know what? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We ought to have that attitude, bring it on, I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. I want to prove to You my faithfulness and we prove that during difficult times. And so I hope You'll do that. So let's all stand together right now